Hello and welcome to Anime to Z, the podcast dedicated to all things anime. I'm Shay Lingo. I'm a rapper and musician, and anime is a big part of my self-care routine. Facts. And I'm Beck Hill, a comedian, writer, and artist, and this podcast is a big part of my self-care routine. Without it, I'd probably never leave my flat or shower. Wow. But I showered for you today, Shay. Did you? Yeah, I did, actually. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Hygiene is a sense of good manners. Well, I was like, he's got to be stuck in a room with me. The least I could do is wash off the stank. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Throw something on the pits. Speaking of self-care, this episode sees the Danish soldiers given some time to rest up over the winter. So, Shay, what is your ideal winter retreat and what would you do to relax? Hmm, sounds like a dating show, doesn't it? It does a little bit. I think... I would like to climb a mountain. A small yes. one. A small one though. A small one yeah, though. Yeah, I'm afraid no, no, of heights. You don't need a Sherpa. Do you know what I mean? You just want like a day out hiking, yeah? Yeah, I would like to ride a yak. Oh, right. Do you know what I mean? That's your self-care. Yeah, man. Just like be at one with nature That's in nice. its hazardous forms. You get me? Try and really mm. find a humility point. Like, damn, I could die at any point, but this is cool though. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Make friends with a yak. And true, I got a bald head. I feel like the avatar. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> when he's on when he's on upper and they're flying through the sky. Big up, big up Ang and then man there. Yeah, that's what I do. What about you? I like to go somewhere warm. I don't deal with winter very well. I don't know if you can tell from my accent. <laughs> I uh, yeah, I'm like you. I, I want to go up. I want to go hiking. But I want to go hiking. I like hiking in the heat. Nice. Yeah. I think I'd prefer that actually. But I just want to experience the hiking in the snow one time. I want to have all the best gear and the most friendly yak. I don't know where the yak would be. You know there's mountains in Iceland. Are there? As we're talking about Vinland Saga. Damn. Uh, Do they have yaks there though? Maybe a bison, an ox? I'm not sure. I just want to ride a bovine creature, I think. So it's less about the mountain climbing. Yeah, I just want to I just want to gallop around on a I, I don't even know if they, do they gallop, Shay. do they even gallop? I think you're thinking of a horse. No, but I want it to be like mad muscular, do you know have what you I mean? Have you been on a horse? Maybe once in my childhood when we visited a farm. <laughs> Was it a pony? Maybe. It was a pony. It might have been a pony, man. It might have been a pony. Well, that's enough traveling for you and I because we're going to travel to France in this episode. And it made me wonder what other anime shows are out there that are set beyond Japan, like in far-flung destinations. I mean, obviously, there's a ton that are in space or like other dimensions. But bringing it back down to Earth, what what other animes, I don't know, what could get me in the mood for being somewhere, somewhere else? But there's Black Lagoon, which is still Asia, but Thailand. You've got Bacano. Bacano is in Chicago, New York City. Mm. And you've got Banana Fish, which is also on Prime Video, which is New York City as I've, well. I've heard a lot about that one, actually. Yeah, Banana Fish is really, really good. Same, very uh, dark, very dark, but really good. It's a Survive Said the Prophet that do the uh, theme for that. Correct. Mm. And then you've got Rosa Facade, I set in France. Ah, well, that's definitely given me a lot of inspiration of what to watch next and perhaps where to travel to as well. But right here, right now, we're discussing episode seven of Vinland Saga season one, Nominee, which is streaming right now on Prime Video. And as always, we're getting into the details of the episode. So if you'd rather watch it first, press pause and come back when you're all caught up. So to kick things off, Shay, what happened in Normandy? So they've traveled to Normandy. Torfin is now older. He's a lot more experienced. They did a little time skip in the middle of there. Do you know what I mean? So now his hair's a little bit longer and all this other stuff. So yeah, he's older. He's definitely the he's definitely got a role now in the camp, in mm. Ashalad's camp, which is quite interesting. 
So yeah, he's he's the role of the scout. He's the guy that goes out before they kind of attack places and raid places and pillage places just to make sure everything's cool for them to go and destroy it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so Ashalad sends Torif in ahead to go and scout and also send a message to one half of the French civil opposition who's laying siege to the fortress, to the, to the commander, and says, you lot are rubbish at war and we'll help you, but you got to split the bounty with us or split the loot with us after and whatever. So, yeah, and then he ends up scamming the shit out of him. <laughs> Long story short. Yeah, long story short, he ends up scamming the shit out of him and um, everything goes kind of left. But the way he does it is so amazing and we'll get into that later. Yeah, oh, that's a good summary. Yeah, do you like that one? I did. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so Beck, what did you think of the episode? I loved it. I don't know, I'm becoming like a broken record. Ah, yeah. oh, really enjoyed it. I just thought it was brilliant. And one thing I cannot wait to talk about later is, that was a Naruto run, wasn't it? Like it. Oh my god! Yeah. As soon as he did it, I was like, "Is he?" He's a bit of a that? ninja. Yeah, yeah. He's... All I could think was, "I mean, that's not practical." I mean, if he trips on something, he's smashing his head. In the have ground. you ever run like that though? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's very freeing. Do you know what I mean? Like it's extreme. If you run fast enough, fast enough. Well, before we get into the deeper analysis segment of the podcast, what context do we need to know? I don't think that run is specifically unique to Naruto. Like I see, I see, I've seen many anime where the ninjas are trying to infiltrate certain places oh. and they and they run that way like late at night in the forest. Yeah, it feels forest. like it's more of a skulking type. I mean? Like, yeah. It's a stealth technique. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's that's very kind of conducive with the whole one, the role that Torfin plays in the in the camp, in uh, Ashlad's camp. And two, mm the nature of his character being quite quiet until he has to say something, which is only based on what he wants. Obviously, he had a little tantrum because Ashalad wouldn't give him the duel that he wanted and he was playing coy. Very Ashalad of him. And three, because the, the kind of person that he embodies now is one that shouldn't be seen, but he's not necessarily a ninja. So it's like, it's, it's, all, it's all very interesting, very interesting dynamic. Like running... With your arms behind your back. Yeah. Like, obviously, I know of it because of... I, we've, we talked about this on earlier episodes. I haven't seen Naruto. I know the Naruto run. Like, that's how influential it's become. Yeah. There's a whole load of tropes like that, though, across anime. When you think about it, I guess, like, there's nothing has stopped people from running with their arms behind their back. Like, since people were people. What do you mean? Like, it didn't just start when anime, like, started. Like, yeah, 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 of course which, not. So it kind of makes sense. That maybe this kid ran like that. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> there were some kids that were, uh, let's say, less popular in school that used to do the Naruto run a lot. But it's been coined as the Naruto run. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but those kids were probably copying Naruto, right? Yeah, definitely. Dorfin, yeah. like, he's just experimented and he's like, I like how this feels. This is how I run yeah. now. But then do you know what? He's. I'm trying to think if there was a reason for it. Like, he has two blades. He puts one in the front. I'm just, I'm trying to work through it as I say it. Two blades, one in the front, one in the back, arms behind the back, head forward. I'm trying to think low. I mean, it's low a dance angle. move you're explaining. Maybe low angle. I hadn't seen him run like that before. No, it's very new in this yeah, series. Yeah. I can't tell if, it, well, having not seen the rest of the series, I don't know if this becomes like a thing that his character always does. I think it will be. Or, okay. Because I, I kind of like the idea that an animator just... Because it's not referred to in any of the writings. No. Ever. If an animator was just like, I'm going to snake this in real <laughs> joke for myself. 
That's what I mean. I feel like it was. It might have been a production joke. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that would yeah. that would be funny to find out later on. But that's yeah. very common. Of like again, back to the MMORPG thing. That's extremely common. Of like the ninja character or the dual the dual blade wielding character who's slightly weaker but a lot quicker. Yeah, right. So this yeah, is yeah. like obviously a trope in anime, and I'm trying to think if there's other tropes. Like the only other tropes I can think of are the I've forgotten a word. But there's that word for when they transform into something. Awakening. Is that when, but when they transform into, like, I mean, more like when say every time Sailor Moon transforms into Sailor Moon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could call that a Super Saiyan moment in a way. There's a power up. There's a power up. Moment. A power up. Yeah, a power up. Like moment. it's very much like a power up. Uh-huh. That feels like a trope. Yeah. The idea that someone would be like, ah, and yeah. then the lightning strikes them and they change their outfit. Like, the, to the, me, it's all about the outfits. The broadening of that trope is that somebody will probably die. Do you know what I mean? The closest friend of the protagonist or of the of the sub character will probably die, and that will trigger such a big emotional. I don't know what Sailor Moon you've been watching. <laughs> I just want the skill to be able to change my clothes immediately. Like immediately, I hate getting dressed. That would be convenient. I hate getting dressed I so love much. Getting dressed. Oh my gosh! I the. Taking you always wear such clothes? sick stuff, though. Oh, this I love. Te- ah, what is this? Ah. Is this a Space Invaders dress? It is a Space Invaders dress. <laughs> you've confused. Wearing clothes with getting for, dressed for getting dressed. Oh, okay, okay, I'm, okay. I love wearing clothes. Okay, okay. I like I, I like wearing clothes. Okay. Let's get that straight. Okay. I want either be struck by lightning or twirl around with a pastel background and have all my all my skirt and everything changed over, my nails done. Yeah, that would be sick. So, why do you think that those sorts of tropes end up perpetuating throughout anime series? I think because you can do them in real life. I feel like uh, because you know what I mean. Like every kid. Well, maybe in the school, Naruto run. Like no, but I mean, there's a load of them. Like trying to go Super Saiyan. I've done that a countless amount of times. The Naruto run. I've done the Yu-Gi-Oh. Hot of the cards. Oh yeah. I've yeah. done. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a whole bunch of like moments in anime. Like I've tried to, I've tried to put seven rings or ten rings on my fingers and. Do you know what I mean? Like yep. I've tried to. I've written everyone's I've, name. I've into put a both hands to the side of my my temple and tried. You know what I mean? Yeah. And tried to move things. Like I've we've done it all. They're tropes that kind of follow on from pop culture or begin where your where your timeline with that or your timeline of relationship with that thing begins. But the 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 reason I think the reason it becomes a trope is because it resonates with with the 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 period of time that you are in your development as a person. Do you get me? It's like. I want abilities. I, I'm just starting to discover superpowers within anime or within comics or whatever. And you you will think about yourself in those contexts. You get me? And when you see when you see things like a simple, unique way of running, even do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And from a character that you super affiliate with because you're also a misfit and people you feel like people also don't really mess with you like that and. But do you reckon that's why they include them as tropes, though? I think I think they don't. I don't think they include them as tropes. I think they became tropes, and or they or they become Easter eggs more so than tropes. They're they're things that feel natural to the anime more so than I'm gonna add this trope in it. Do you get what I'm saying? Because like I said, it is a trope. You get yeah. me? But the the nature of why it became a trope is never actually tropey. Does that make sense? It's, it's actually, for me anyway, it's quite genuine. Then you continue to see it and that's when it I becomes that's a trope. In general, isn't it? Like in everything, nothing it aims to become a trope. It just be- it, it ends up becoming a trope. Exactly, because accident. of the way it resonates with with 
the the specific period of time that you you end up watching because there's adults that have never tried the Naruto run. Do you know mm. what I mean? But then there's then if you caught Naruto as a kid, you've done that Naruto run countless times. If you caught go if you caught Goku going Super Saiyan for the first time, you as an adult into your adult years, when your manager is pissing you off at work, you've I wish I could just go Super Saiyan and obliterate this whole place. Do you know what I mean? Like these things become tropes because of how connected you feel to those moments when you first, when you first saw them. But they might have been a trope before. I think they become tropes based on how they resonate with the viewer and where the viewer is in their life at that time. Do you get me? And what they've consumed before. It's very, very natural kind of stuff. And whether you can actually just do it in real life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's also a big thing. Like I've, like I said, I've tried the Naruto run and I've tried to go Super Saiyan and I've drew the heart of the cards and won the duels a couple of times in my life. But I don't feel like those are tropes. I think that they're very specific things to what you're talking about. Like the heart of the cards, that is specifically Yu-Gi-Oh. I but don't it's, see but that it's, in But other it's become shows. a trope in other, in other, maybe you haven't watched enough card dueling animes. Right. Do you get me? Because they've, right. rec they've recreated the heart of the cards in, in many other anime. Do gotcha, you get what I'm saying? Even gotcha. down to like Beyblade, which is an anime as well. Would you say that the tropes are more where the creators of the other shows have put them in there as like a love letter to the things that they grew up with where it really resonated with them? I think that's a really nice way of framing a trope, yes. I think some of them are put in purely for pop culture reference. And there are some, there are, there are even some anime that are based around the tropes. They're created around the tropes, you get me? Like they will borrow and lend from other animes in very intentional and purposeful and comedic ways mm. to create moments out of those tropes because they it's like a, it's like a meta it's very it's very meta do you know what i mean yeah and it, yeah, and it yeah. makes it just makes it fun for the people who are indulged in the culture to that level do you yeah. know what i'm saying so it's only us that really talk about it being tropes you get me yeah. everyone else is just seeing it it's a fan reference do you know what i'm saying and yeah, that's what yeah. i mean by like the obviously you asked how do you think these things become tropes and it's like they become i just think they become tropes based on how amazing they were at the time you saw them the first yeah, time. Do you, know, you, do, you know, do you get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So that when you see it in, like we enjoy it more when we see a trope in an anime that doesn't necessarily relate to that trope. Like when Torfin does the Naruto run, it's yeah. like, yeah, he did the Naruto run, we know what that is. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, and yeah, that just yeah. makes it more fun for everyone gets a little bit closer together. Do you yeah. get what I mean? It's and I just, more than a trope. It just makes, you know what I'm saying? I was, I was unfair by labeling it a trope in the first place. I mean, it is a trope, but it is, it's just, it's a fun one. Yeah, it's more intentional. Yeah. And with that contextual tidbit up our sleeves, let's roll them up and get to the deep chat segment. So joining us in the studio today to discuss this episode is anime lover and cosplayer Nezu, aka Madara's daughter. How are you? Hey, hello Yay. everyone. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, for real. Well, I think one thing that we always ask our guests straight off the bat is what is your relationship to anime and how did you get into it? So I'm what you would call a weeb. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe we've never touched <laughs> on weebs. <laughs> uh. It's like a, it was never really used in a positive light before but now the word has been reinvented to mean like someone who loves anime and like the Japanese culture I guess. Can you explain to Beck what the difference between a weeb and an otaku is? So otaku tend to be people who are like really 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 into anything it can't it does is it not it's not really um it, it's not just anime it can be yeah. anything like you know, a geek. K-pop otakus and yeah basically and you know they tend to take it to you extreme you know so a lot of them um are shut-ins and then don't go outside their houses and stuff and a weeb is like someone who loves anime and the japanese culture it never really used to mean something 
positive before. I guess it derives from the word Weibo, which were people who were obsessed with Japanese culture to the point where they wanted to be Japanese, you know? I got into anime when I was, I guess, like 12, 13 or so. But I was always watching anime as a kid, but I never knew it was like anime. I feel like everyone has that stage in their lives where they actually did watch anime, but they never knew that there's a difference between just cartoons and anime. And then from when I was, I think when I was 13, my friend introduced me to Death Note. Death Note being one of my top 10s of the day. Like. Nezu, um, when did your love for anime turn into um, a love for cosplay? So when I was uh, 15 or so, I went to my first Comic-Con, which they have in um, Excel Center. It was so good. I saw this amazing cosplay of Ryuk. It had to be like eight feet tall or something. And it was literally someone inside and everything. And it just looked so realistic. It was so crazy. And I was like, oh my God, I really want to do this. But like, how? How do you get into doing this? Like, I never knew how. I never knew where to start. I never really saw people who were like me, you know, get into I thought it was a whole different world, you know. I thought it was two separate things. It's cosplay and it's anime. I followed some cosplayers that were that did casual cosplays. And I thought, okay, yeah, I can actually I can get into this. It's something I can slide into this. And I bought my first cosplay, which was very exciting actually. I never really thought that I would take the plunge and just do it. And I did it. My first cosplay was Toga Himiko from My Hero. One of my favorite villains. Do you tend to do villains a lot? since then or was it just um you know what i don't really do just villains like i love villains like shana is my favorite character but villains <laughs> Bro. they're the more fun ones to play i mean i'm the only dude in the studio right now so is it like is it is it like a is it like a woman thing where you just like prefer the You're chaos like bad boy, bad boy. Do you know what? i reckon well i think there's i don't know if it is a female only thing but like because I like to see somebody win. You know, like, you oh, know no, no, no. But I mean, if you get to be someone, oh, I, I was in a play like a few years ago and I had to play like the, the baddie, the villain, which was so opposite me in real life that it was so, so fun to play. Yeah. So you must feel like invincible walking yeah. around. Yeah. Yes. As the of villain. Yes. Do people yes. treat you differently? Almost, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back into Vinland Saga, obviously, so you've you've seen all of it. Is there anyone in it, I mean, trying not to give spoilers, is there anyone in it who you would cosplay as if you haven't already? Probably Thorfinn because I feel like there's a lot I can bring to the table with the cosplay because a lot of them tend to be, a lot of them are just dudes really. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, I don't really, I haven't really cosplayed a lot of men characters but I'm trying to get into it because I, I think that's actually more fun than cosplaying women sometimes. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge and I love it. All right, cool. So speaking of Vinland Saga, what did you think of episode seven? With episode seven, I thought we got to see more of Thorfinn's fight style now. His dad fights like a warrior where he just fights like an assassin, like he's a trained assassin basically, which is very, this is very nice to see actually. And it's also interesting to just see the um, the dynamic that Thorfinn and Asgard now have. Because I think it's a father-son relationship they now have, actually, in my opinion. We're calling him the koi dad on here. Because he's, like, pretending that he's not his dad. But, but he's actually he knows, like, yeah, ah, I, kinda, I killed yeah, your dad, yeah. so I kind of got to replace your dad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I feel like Thorfinn is subconsciously taking that on because there was an episode before where he was learning how to use, like, the knives 
um, obviously trying to kill Asklad. But the first thing he remembers was what Asklad says to him, you know? And so I remember what his dad's been saying to him and, you know, telling him, but he remembers what Asklad said to him. And not once, he did that twice as well. So that was very, it's very interesting. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely dad-son relationship, I think, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how do you think that's going to develop into the showdown of what of what their duel is going to be? Because I feel like the closer Torofin and Askeladd get, or Askeladd get to each other emotionally and mentally and, do you get me, physically and stature and things like that, because obviously, like, Askeladd's getting older and Torofin is also getting older, but he's obviously a lot younger than... Ashalad, you get me? So do you think he's going to get Stockholm Syndrome and start to start to change his his opinion of whether he actually wants to have this battle based on the fact that his dad's original point was no one is your enemy? Do you think he'll follow that through eventually? Um, I think he's very headstrong like at the moment and it's almost as if nothing can really face him because in like episode six when he meets that family... And then all of a sudden, he, the, their village get, you know, he has to send signals and the village gets attacked. He just like took in a breath and just let it go. And he's like, okay, whatever, moving on now. So he's kind of, I feel like he's stuck in this, I want to kill Asklad whole thing that he's created for himself. But I think eventually it would get to a point where he might start growing out of that a little bit, especially since, you know, he's creating a, this weird bond with not only Asgard, but also everyone else there as well. I feel like if he kills Asgard, then he'll realise that after that there's nothing. Like, that's his life. He's made that his life's purpose. So if he achieves it, he will no longer have a purpose. And, like, you know, that's where you get the drunken soldier trope from, you know. You know, like, he'll just hit rock bottom. So I kind of, like, hope that he does it. That he never kills him. You were talking about how... He's a more of an assassin and he jumps over and he's after the uh, feather helmet guy and it suddenly goes into first person like a video game. I just, I was not prepared for that. And when it came in and you're, oh, I was like, I've never more wanted to watch anime in an Oculus, like in a virtual reality headset. There's a part that before, just before that, where he kills the first soldier that opposes him, yeah? Mm. So he jumps over that little that little fortress ridge and ends up on that little balcony where they're all where they're all loading up their crossbows and whatever. Yeah. And he slices off just the fingers of the guy. Yeah, yeah. That is that yeah. was like, you're the man, bro. The second yeah. the second short sword is just do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just epic, man. He's epic. His he fight is. style is one of my favorite fight styles, like of anime, full stop. I absolutely love the two Easter eggs that were in that episode, the little Naruto run that yes. Morphe did. And yeah. then also when he took the soldier's sword and then put the sword in his mouth, it was like Zoro from, uh, oh, from One Piece. Oh, from One Piece. Yes, 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 yes. I absolutely love those Easter yes. eggs. My yeah. G, yes. <laughs> That's such a good point. Yeah, these are definitely nods. And he just cuts through everyone. Like there's like three men in front of him yes. on, that, on that ridge yes. and he just and then everyone just and then the next three men are like raw how did you do i even is this even the right occupation for me because you're a child do you know what i'm saying like you're a child everyone kind of hesitates but then he ends up killing him anyway like he's just he's a machine right now imagine if the last thing you were thinking was ah i don't think i've gone into the right career do you know what i mean like i think everybody would think that before they got killed by a child do you know what i'm saying (laughs) 
He's like what, 13, 14 at this point. Yeah. And he was killing yeah. kids. He was killing grown men from when he was six. Yeah. Stabbing them in the abdomen and that. Oh, that was a fun sentence. Stabbing them in the abdomen. And that. <laughs> so we've got Jabath, which weirdly enough sounds like Jab Jabba. Like Jab he looks like Jabba the Hutt mm -hmm. from Star Wars. Mm -hmm. The um, like it feels like whoever came in and art directed this episode has not been on the other episodes, but they were just like, I'm just going to put in as many references as I can. As I can. Right. The Easter eggs are tasteful though. They are. And he kind of looks like Gluttony from Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. And that's, that was a comparison I made actually. And I think it fits his character very well because he's very greedy. Gluttony just wants to eat everything basically. And that's what, that's the comparison I Well, because he really stands out amongst all the other characters. Because every other character they've had has been quite realistic. Yeah. And he's very, mm. very unique as a character. Even the way they drew his jaw. Like, oh. they, you've obviously yeah, got, he, your like, jaw stops here, but he, his one stops at his ear. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like his mm. whole, like a Pac-Man kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might have been the reference. Yeah, you I think, think you're so. right. <laughs> that might, might have been, be. yeah, that might have been a riff. I, I hope so. Is that another Easter I wonder how many there are in this episode. I might have to watch it again. Yeah, I think I might have to do a yeah. count. If you're listening to Animator Z right now, watch episode seven of Vinland Saga and tell us how many pop culture or popular TV anime references you count. Yeah, can you beat us? Collectively, yeah. we've found three. Yeah, I think Jabaf as a character is just a lot more comedic looking than everyone else like he's just a bit of a, a goblin looking character do you know what mm. i mean which is quite funny especially when they have that moment when they they pop up with the dragon ship in the night and everybody kind of just runs out of the forest thinking it's a dragon in the, oh, yeah. in, the in the actual mountains and then it turns out to be that haha we've just got like we just decided to carry our ships do you know it's what i mean ships, yeah. and then you see you see jabaf just in the front thinking he knows everything and then he just kind of has this he little scared it. cat moment yeah. And then they just run over his heads and he realizes, oh yeah, haha, ha, no, yeah, yeah, these are the guys. Haha, ha, these are the guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's a lot more comedic moments in this. Well, considering how much I cried in the last episode we watched. Word. <laughs> word. Yeah. So I was thinking like maybe this might be Villain Saga's beach episode. So beach episode tends to be like the calm before the storm type of moment, you know? And there's a lot of anime tend to have those moments where it's like something crazy's happening and then there's one episode where all the characters are on the beach and you're like what's going on here why is everyone having fun why is everyone smiling and the next episode everyone's dying so it's like okay it just kind of gives us a bit more time to digest everything that's kind of happened but what i love about um villain saga is even though it has its comedic moments like this one you still see elements of the characters shine through so yeah we have like like Thorfinn, for example, we know he's not a comedic guy, so we're not going to get any sort of comedy out of him, regardless. But then the, he manages to put these characters in there that can, you know, give us a bit of relief from all the fighting. And then, I mean, even though we do see fighting and killing there in this episode, but it does, there, it is more of a relief to um, have that because Jabath is not a character that we're going to really like care about. Or see again, you know. You almost or, dislike him from the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. He just got that yeah. face that you just want to punch. Oh, yeah. It's like he's sitting there eating, and all his soldiers are standing watching him eat and stuff. And even when like he was talking about, I remember a scene. Um, there was a scene where they they got kind of annoyed. You can see it on their faces, the soldiers. I think it was when Thorfinn started running off. And he starts screaming, oh, none of you are going home until we capture this fort. And the soldiers are just like rolling their eyes like, oh my God, here he goes again. Like this guy. Like, like as if you could stop me from going home, bro. If I want to go home, I'll <laughs> yeah. go home. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
there was a little bit more relief in this episode. Mm. But then there's also some sick moments like and and some semi super I don't I don't want to say supernatural but definitely some superhuman moments like the abilities like Torfin's agility is just unmatched. Oh yeah. Do you know he what I mean? Full parkour in this episode. What? Does, you see does. when he jumps over the ravine <laughs> like he he does the Naruto yeah. run and then does a complete like gymnast bound or like a like a long jumper's bounds and then and then scales his way up the side of the fortress with his two daggers. Which is insane like, because first of all, putting daggers into wood, not as easy as you'd think. Taking them out of the wood whilst yeah. balancing is and probably even more difficult. The, like normally you sort of got to anchor your, your feet in the ground if you want to like, I mean, I don't want to tell you how to suck eggs, but the way you stab a dagger into wood... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I bring oh, to this podcast. Oh. <laughs> it's like you got to anchor your feet in the ground. If you do that, you're just pushing yourself away from yeah. the from the wood. Are you trying to the say strength. that this is this is physically impossible? I'm not saying it's physically impossible. I'm just saying that it's unfeasible. I'm agreeing that his strengths are almost superhuman. Facts. Yeah, Facts. it's insane, and he still can't grow a beard. That's what I think. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, he's 13, so like, he's real close like, I think I think the beard will come soon enough. The thing that annoys me about this episode is that Thorfinn's like, oh, do you know how many people I've had to kill for you? Like, just give me my jewel already. Why won't you fight me? And he's like, oh, bring me back a head and helmet. And he runs off and he, does, he kills a load of people. And I'm just like, you're killing a bunch of people so that you can avenge your father's death when, like, Every single one of those people might be a father themselves. Word. <laughs> and it annoys me so much that he's like, like I, it's like you were saying, he, he's opening up more to Ashlad, even though he doesn't realize it, because obviously he cares about him a bit and he doesn't really want to duel him, but he does. Mm. Do you feel like he's where that relationship's going? Is he ready to duel him? I don't think. Because Asuka is a pirate, right? And he probably has, well, he does have, like, experiences that Thorfinn could only dream about, really. And Thor, um, Thorfinn, I feel like, is a sport little kid. I think Thorfinn was very much sport by Thor's. The closest he's gotten to battle was fighting with little kids in Iceland, <laughs> you know? So now his idea of you know, war and who your enemy is and stuff is now warped by just the pure rage he has and he just wants to kill Asgard. And I don't think I don't think that we would actually get to the point where he can actually defeat or even get what he wants from Asgard. I just think because of the way their relationship is going, that's the first one. And because I think I think Asgard is just way too experienced. I feel like Thorfinn has to fight a whole bunch of other people to even come close to touching Asgard. Like, I think Asgard is just toying with him as much as he wants, you know? I also um, think there's like an underlying kind of like, you need to learn vibe there. There's like, he's also teaching him. Do you get what I'm saying? I feel like he's like trying to put him in the free. Do you get me? Because it's like, you really need to understand what it means to kill someone. You really need to understand what it means to wield a sword or two. You really need to understand what it means to get hit by an arrow before you ever feel like, like you said, Nezu, do you know what I mean? Before you ever even, do you know, like, you know, like a very typical, that's my line in anime vibe is like, you need, you need a million more years before you could, before you could come back to me. Do you know what I mean? Like that is very, very 
like conducive with their relationship. And I feel like we also haven't seen Askeladd's true power yeah, as yeah. well. Do you know what I mean? He's like almost like, yeah, I'm just kind of, he's kind of like moseying through and killing people, but he's not, he's not going super saiyan for anyone. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas yeah. Torfin is on smoke for everything all the time, whenever, you get me? Just for the duel. Like, and he's not getting a duel. I was like, you're not, you're not really there yet. And you're never really going to be there. But I need you to get as close as possible because I actually feel for you a little bit. That's how I feel like Ashalad is acting. You get me? Like, I feel for you, but I'm not going to show you that. He's doing Koi Dad. I think he's doing Koi Dad really well. Do you know what I mean? Hashtag Koi Dad. Word. I feel like Ashalad would try to get Thorfinn to sort of understand what it is to be an actual warrior. Because I'm guessing if like Vikings, if they die in war, uh, in war, then they go to Valhalla, right? And that's kind of... And I, I don't know. I also felt like Asgard has this sort of respect for Thor's that he's never had for anyone else. You know, to be able to be that strong and mentally as well. Like Thor's mentally, I yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thor's is just a brick, isn't it? He's just he's a brick. A brick like, he's actually yeah. a brick of a man. All right, I'm gonna throw it out there. What if Asgard actually deep down knows that he was wrong to kill Thor's the way that he did? Because Thor's spoke sense. Oh yeah, definitely. And he's been looking after Torfinn. Because he feels guilty, but as in, like, that's why he keeps drawing it out. I mean, I can't, I agree, I but then at the I same agree. time, I have to take a man's actions into consideration. There's many times where he's let him go off into the fray by himself yeah, and even said, like, yo, yeah, if he gets killed, he gets killed. That's old school Askeladd still there, who's like in charge. Like, have you, you're telling me that you've always said and done everything that you feel at the. I mean, no, but I'm saying it in the what? sense that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Exactly. But I'm saying it in the sense that if he actually did go and get killed, then it, it, or he did go and die, he, all of that would be debunked. Do you get me? Like it would, he wouldn't, he wouldn't matter. Like no, I think I don't think. Do you that's think true, he, do you think I he think would mourn his would, death? I I don't think he'd mourn it, but I think he'd go through some stuff. I hear you. I think he'd have some changes. Yeah, and I think on that note, Nezu, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for much appreciated. Is there anything you want to share before you leave? Where can we see your cosplays? Yeah, where can our listeners see your stuff? You can find all of my social network if you search for Madara's Daughter on anything Twitter, Instagram. I post all my cosplays on my Instagram and I post anime thoughts in general on my Twitter. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. It's now time for cook, 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 quick fire, 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 fire. I'm joking. <laughs> Someone's got a bump Shay's stuck. <laughs> Favorite character? Oh, uh, translator guy. Translator guy. Yeah, you know how there was a guy who had to translate oh. for <laughs> Doris Finn? He's just, just hearing in the background going, have a day, have a day. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what happened to him. No, words. <laughs> what was yours? Favorite character? <sighs> Torfin, man. Yeah. Torfin. He, just, he was cool doing too well. much wickedness in that episode. Yeah. Uh, least favorite character? Jabeth. Yeah, same. Yeah, he's just the gremlin. Yeah. Really like favorite scene? My favorite scene was when they appear and they're carrying their boats yeah. and they're over the hill. Yeah. I was just like, man, that's strong. Yeah, I, f I think I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that was one of my favorite What's scenes. What's that coming over the hill? Is, Is it, it a long boat? Is okay, it a okay, long okay. boat? Yeah, yeah. And they thought it was a dragon, but then it was a monster. And yeah. then it turned out to be a long boat. <laughs> Should I be? <laughs> uh, most epic moment? So most epic moment. Ooh, that's a hard one. Damn. Oh, definitely when when Torfin cuts off the fingers of that of that the first soldier Ooh. he fights on on that balcony when he when he eventually jumps onto the onto the fortress balcony. Definitely, yeah. that is 
that and they slow mowed it and they you saw the fingers and he just cuts off the first chamber of the thing like mm. epic just so and it was so precise so we just couldn't fire the longbow at him that was that was epic that was yeah. epic yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, for me, it was the bit where they're like, oh, I guess Torfin's not joining us. Oh, well, and then the head just goes yeah, yeah, yeah. onto the bike. Because like, what I like to think is that Torfin had actually swum up there like 10 minutes beforehand <laughs> and was just like waiting on the side of the boat. Like, yeah. I'll just wait for him to say my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to look sick. Yeah. <laughs> and he was right. It paid off. It looked really cool. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and what question do you most want answered in the next episode? Oh, okay. Um, so we still haven't had an answer from the last one. You and I both want to know what happened to the lady and the girl. I suspect we're never going to see them again. Yeah, big up them, man. Oh, rest in peace. I'd pour out my drink, but I don't want to make the desk sticky with Word. ginger beer. <laughs> so the question I want for this one is, will Thorfinn ever be able to grow facial hair? Like, for real. Okay. Not just bum fluff. Okay, fair enough. I think my question would be, what's, I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to go back to what's Ashley's deal. I'm going to go back to what's Ashley's deal. Why is he, what is the actual specific reason as to why he's not giving him the duel yet? Mm. Is it because he thinks he will kill him or is it because he thinks that Torfin might actually win? What, what does he stand to gain from a duel? That's another good question. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So there we have it. Episode seven of Vinland Saga, which definitely provided some much needed comic relief. Mm. Yeah. And yet enough gore and violence for, to satisfy our needs definitely I'm, I'm a big fan of gore and violence so yeah more gore and violence please in anime in anime in anime yeah, yeah. in anime next week we'll be doing the naruto run headfirst into episode eight <laughs> that's fantastic yeah well thanks for listening to this episode of animator z and if it was your cup of tea you know the draw rate review follow and subscribe Animator Z is a Little Dot Studios production for Prime Video UK. The show is hosted by Shailingo and Beck Hill. It's produced by Nicole Davis, Jake Cunningham and Harold McShill. With production coordination from Ellie Aitken and editing by James Payne. With additional research by Ren Skateni. If you've enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and wherever else you get your podcasts. 